Hello, and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. My name's Justin Twyford, and I'm joined by my separate friend, Stu Lennon. First off, I know everybody's going to be hearing this a little bit late, but it's Thursday here, which means for all of our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Stu, do they do Thanksgiving in Cyprus? No. Um, uh, first of all, I have to say I'm not Cypriot yet, Justin. I'm certainly considering it. Um, next year, this sort of time, I, I may be I may be a Cypriot. You never know. But for the moment, I'm firmly British, young man. And we don't do Thanksgiving either. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because, well, we consider that the world should be thankful for us, I think. That's the standard sort of British attitude. <laughs> well, that, that answers the question of whose date do you use? Because... Uh, in in North America, we have we we have a split. Of course, in in America, it is today, like the last weekend, the last Thursday of November, I think is the way it goes. In Canada, it is the second Thursday in October. So our second Friday, what is it? Second Friday, second Sunday, something like that. It's it's like <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just I, I know it's a long weekend, and I get time off. Uh, and it's usually overshadowed by the fact that around then is uh, my wife's birthday, which means that the whole weekend is usually spent celebrating my wife, which is much more important than a turkey for a vegetarian. So there you go. Anyway, if you are there, I, the only reason I know it's uh, happy Thanksgiving is because my mailbox lit up, Stu. I'm not sure if you do that in in Europe, but oh my gosh. North of the border, we have adopted the U.S. I, it's, I think it's a bit like uh, the date, the time standard, you know, the daylight savings time. We just go with whatever the Americans want because everywhere up here is having a Black Friday sale and emailing me several times every day about it. Ugh. <laughs> well, I mean, I've just, uh, for Nero's, I've just sent an email out saying, no, we don't do Black Friday. Um <laughs> Which is it's partly the contrarian in me, and partly because I think Black Friday is a really bad idea. But um, I mean, in terms of of Cyprus, Cyprus does generally uh, adopt passing bank holidays. So um, we have one here called Ochi Day, which Ochi is the Greek for no. So it's no day, um, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with Cyprus. So it celebrates the day where uh, President Metaxas of Greece, which is adjacent, but, you know, it's a long walk, um, refused to let Mussolini come through Greece to fight in the Balkans. So it was, in effect, it was Greece joining the right side of the war, uh, the Second World War. And so Greece has a bank holiday. And the Cypriots will we'll have a bit of that as well. <laughs> Um, and so they all put up these, uh, you know, the big Greek flags everywhere. And I mean, there's a very Hellenic feel to Cyprus. I mean, a lot of the population speak Greek and consider themselves part of the greater Greece. Um, but it's been a very long time since thousands of years since they've been uh, anything to do with Greece, really. Uh, but still we borrow their bank holidays, which I think is a lovely idea. I mean, I think we should go for as many of them as we can get. I'm all for it. So mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time before we we take Thanksgiving. I mean, we've got, we don't have a holiday for it, but we do have Halloween here, um, which is, again, a peculiarly sort of American invention, um, or certainly the running around in masks and all that stuff. But 
Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I quite like it as a holiday concept, the idea of saying thank you. I mean, where it originally came from, I think, is probably less good. Um, it's quite, quite a lot to do with, uh, I suppose, the, the, the colonization of, uh, of mm-hmm. America, which was undoubtedly the Brits' fault. Um, that's, that's pretty much anywhere in history you can make that assumption. Uh, the Brits screwed it up somewhere. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of the sort of modern Thanksgiving, of, of thanking whatever it is that you think needs thanking for all of the lovely things that are in our lives. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. There you go. I think you've just given me my gratitude journaling uh, prompt for today. Oh, well, there you go. You see, I, I'm not completely useless. All right. But first things first, how's our white socked girl over there? How's Chicago doing? Ah, uh, Chicago. Ah, uh, yes. Well, indeed. Um, she has the manners of a marauding Viking. Um, she's, um, she's about two years old. So we, I, I got her into the car and down to the vet. Um, and so, uh, the great news is that she has tested negative for, um, leishmania, which is a sort of nasty disease that you get from sand flies, uh, in this part of the world. Sounds lovely. Yeah. I mean, once you get it, it can be treated, but it's a kind of, uh, you know, on drugs for life thing. Um, and so not ideal. So she didn't have that, which is great. Um, there's nothing sort of terribly apparently wrong with her. So, uh, we got her shots done. Um, so she's, you know, on the sort of proper vaccination, uh, route. She'll, she'll need some more. Um, she, uh, the, the vet thinks she's about two years old. I, I think she may be a little bit younger. She's still got quite big feet, sort of outsized feet. So I think she's got a little bit more growing to do. Um, and she's slowly, slowly growing in confidence. Um, <laughs> so, so she pees like a sailor who's had, had 25 pints. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I had sort of, I had to get flood barriers out when she, when she went for a pee on the terrace the other day. Oh. <laughs> Um, and she, she has, you know, she's never been house trained. She's always lived outdoors. Uh, so as far as she's concerned, when she needs a pee, she needs a pee. It's, it's not very ladylike, I have to say, but she's, she will approach me now. She will, um, you know, she'll let me, uh, she'll let me stroke her. She came and sat with me on the couch this morning and sort of snuggled up with me. Um, uh, I've got to say that she smells like a badger. I have got to get a bath for her because um, <laughs> I, I've got a pretty high tolerance for these things. Charlie is is got breath that can kill at a hundred yards, but good lord, this this girl hums a bit. Um, so, yeah, she's she's part pointer, part horse. Um, I'm feeding her sort of three large meals a day, and she is woofing them down beginning to get a little bit of flesh on the bone now. So that's great. Um, We are officially her foster home now. So she's listed Mm. with a shelter. Um, Oh, good. I was wondering if you were going to, if you were going to actually get to that point or if all of a sudden an extra set of cuddles would uh, swing it over the edge and now you'd have an outdoor dog as well as the indoor dogs. Yeah. I mean, I I think the smart money would probably be uh, that you're right. Um, it's just that, um, I need Mrs. L to come to that conclusion on her own. And 
the reality of of the situation is that the uh, the shelter will uh, they'll organise for her to be neutered, um, and they will um, sort of take over on the vet bills for the moment to make sure everything is okay. Ah, um, that helps. But they will, uh, yeah, they will happily allow us to feed and and home her. So. Uh, basically what they're doing is they're putting a couple of pictures on the internet saying anybody want this really cool dog um and there's i mean if you want a really cool dog there are a lot of shelters in cyprus that will ship you one Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's all i can say so um you know it may be that that she doesn't go very quickly she does have one health issue she's got um a a heart murmur and that's not uncommon though not uncommon. I mean, she has uh, the septum, I'm getting technical now, between the left of the heart and the right of the heart, there's a hole in it, just a small one. Um, and what that does is it slightly impacts the efficiency of the heart and um, bodies being bodies, mammals being mammals, um, the body will react and respond to that sort of leak. Uh, and that may in the future have some impact that we may or may not need to treat in some way so there's nothing serious to get checked out annually will be the the idea but it probably explains why she was abandoned um because the thing it would have impacted would have been her endurance mm-hmm. and they want hunting dogs to go all day so if she was sort of out on her feet after three or four hours then she would have been deemed surplus to requirements so that's probably why she ended up uh, running loose Wow. You got a good vet out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, people who've, who've been following me since 1857 will, will, will possibly recall the Nero story. Um, and, uh, you know, I was spending pretty much 16 hours a day at the vet for 10 days, uh, and became a sort of de facto veterinary nurse. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I do get on very well. He, he and I, uh, think very similarly on a lot of things. So yeah, all of the all of the things that he did uh, for the dog, all the tests, the uh, the ECG, the ultrasound, all of that was done. Um, well, he he calls it shelter rates, but I think Justin and, and people in the states will probably need to sit down. I think for all of those shots, checking those uh, diagnostics, I think I paid around about fifty US dollars. <laughs> uh, vets out here are only slightly behind the health systems in terms of outrageous <laughs> billing. So, sure, yeah, I, I I like your shelter rates. Uh, uh, is it is he looking for a new patient? I could use a checkup. <laughs> you could probably fly over here uh, and uh, and still make a saving. But um, yeah, so it's all it's all good. Um, I'm I'm sort of I've got mixed feelings. I. I I will, well, I am attached to, to Chicago and I will continue to get further attached. But um, the thing I'm fighting at the moment is that Margaret is saying, well, if she's, she's going to be neutered, well, we're going to have to let her in to recuperate from that. And I'm saying, no, 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 <laughs> no. I, I have seen this dog pee. We, we really do not want this dog in the house, just in case, you know, Charlie's drowned. <laughs> And just the concept of trying to, you know, house train a dog that's nearly two years old, uh, that has no concept of what you're doing, uh, at whom you cannot really get angry because 
clearly she's already been through a lot. I'm, I'm like, no, no, I, I can cope with the balconies. I can cope with the walks, but I can't cope with trying to house train her again. Um, I'm, I'm too old and, and too busy. Um, but hopefully, ideally, what I'd like is, you know, as a young family to say, oh, look at her, because she is gorgeous. I will post some more photos of her on um, Instagram, but her coat is coming back now, and so she's got a really sleek, sort of velvety black coat. Um, and she, yeah, she has got mischief written all the way through her. I find her chewing everything. Oh, good. You need that. So she's in the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't mind her chewing the stuff that's outside the house. In the house, I'm thinking, yeah, Max Studio. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so she's allowed in my office because um, this is a sort of dog domain down here. But um, no, up in the main house where, where Mrs. L sort of has everything white and no, 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 Justin. <laughs> yes. T take a timestamp. It will probably be, oh, I don't know, a week two weeks and she'll be in the house but there you go. oh great oh well I'm, I'm glad she's doing well that's the main part it's interesting to hear you having a new dog in the house uh, it makes me kind of envious and yet at the same time i don't want to go through that uh training stage again of sure. worse than kids yeah absolutely uh so some follow-up from me uh gratitude journaling well after oh, last yeah. week I, talk about timing, though. Uh, we release that episode, and then two days later, it's uh, Thanksgiving. So that, but um, completely. I, I would say we planned it that way, but we didn't. We didn't. No. We didn't. We're not that smart. Um, it's inconsistent at best. Still feeling a little mm -hmm. forced, sure. and I refuse to make it a task. Yeah, I know. which means that more often than not, I kind of don't think about it as part of my, my shutdown routine. It's, mm -hmm. it's not ingrained yet, sure. but, uh, I'm, I'm trying it. I have, I have, as Stu has given us such a, a lovely uh, piece of gratitude for Thanksgiving. I'm going to have to think about that and come up with something nice though at the end of the day, cause I'm working today. I don't get the day off to go shopping or to eat uh, turkey or anything like that. Hmm. We'll see how I do, but, uh, it's there. How are you doing on the gratitude journaling? Still, still, still at it? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like you, I, you know, consistency is not the thing. Um, and this week, uh, as we will probably get to a little bit later, I, I've been, um, I've got a lot on and, you know, today I was planning on doing quite a lot of, uh, work on one thing and then life happened. So, you know, um, essentially, uh, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC in the UK. Oh, they, they, they decided that they were going to completely change the way that they do business um, in terms of supervising um, money service businesses, uh, many of whom are my clients. And they, they sort of turned up unannounced. Uh, and most of my clients have, uh, you know, they're like, like mini banks in that there's a customer area and there's a staff area and there's a lot of sort of bulletproof glass and, and doors and stuff between the two. And <laughs> you walk in and say, hello, I'm from H <laughs> from Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. I'd like to do an inspection. His Majesty's, isn't it? It is indeed. Yes, you're quite right. I'm going to have to get used to that, aren't I? Um, Update all of your working forms. You're going to have to do a quick find and replace hers to his. 
Uh, yeah, indeed. Well, fortunately, I always use the acronym, but um, which doesn't change. <laughs> but yeah, they, they're sort of coming in and demanding entry. And, you know, all of these people that I've trained are trained to go, I'm terribly sorry, but I don't know who you are. No. <laughs> and and they're producing a piece of they're producing a piece of idea and they're going, Yeah, I can make that. <laughs> because you could. Um, and so that yeah, oh my my day sort of went up in flames. And on days like that, you know, I, I'm not uh, pulling out my journal and going, Oh, wait, I should just write something. Um, I'm going straight from my day into recording and then from recording into cooking and then from, from cooking into eating. And then it'll be time to feed, uh, <laughs> the Viking and, you know, it'll be bedtime. <laughs> I, and days like that, you'll be looking long, longingly at your bottom cupboard where you've got that hidden bottle of scotch going, <laughs> is this the time, is this the time that I, I just say to heck with it. Yeah, no, I, I reach for a, an alcohol-free beer, Justin. It's sort of guy. I've, I've never tried one. It's it's like uh, all the calories with none of the fun, but hey, that's just me. <laughs> um, I, We've got some emails from some of our listeners. Um, oh, cool. Seems to be a theme that people are looking for Twitter alternates at the moment. Uh, I guess Twitter is doing this. Well, I'm not even going to get into Twitter because Twitter is Twitter. Um, everybody knows what's going on. Um, have you tried Mastodon yet? I still haven't. No, no, I'm not going to Mastodon. Um, mm. Oh, I, I said that in a very British way, Mastodon. Yes. Um, yeah, no. I, uh, what's happening to Twitter is that Twitter is exactly the same as it was um, for me. I appreciate that other people are having a different experience and, you know, I respect that. But the only sort of change that I've seen, I think it's the same with you, is there's a lot more people complaining about Twitter. Um, That's about it. Or different people complaining about Twitter uh, and complaining about the things that they think is, are happening to Twitter. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump has been invited back. Okay. Has he come back? Well, no. Oh. Well, then I didn't follow him when he was there the first time. Exactly. Uh, um, uh, and Elon Musk is an idiot. Uh, okay. All right. Um, have you thought about just maybe muting that or blocking that? Or, you know, um, it doesn't seem to have changed too much for me. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere, I don't think. No, I'm, I, I kind of looked at it and said uh, network effects for me, you know, having that group of people there, which, uh, you know, is getting less people I know are leaving. And having a carefully curated feed, so I miss out 95% of that stuff, mm. keeping me there for now. Uh, and I've been thinking about it and going, my choice to leave, I think if I if I do leave, I'm not going to try and substitute it. Yeah. I'm just going to leave completely. Absolutely. Get rid of that. Um, and not, you know, maybe I'll try RSS again, Stu. Remember those days? Uh, but no, oh, I, I have an RSS, lots of RSS. Yep, yeah, but I don't. I don't think I need to replace Twitter with anything else. Twitter is there because I've been on it for a while. But yeah, that's that's kind of my thought. However, uh, there are some alternatives out there. Uh, Lisa mm -hmm. uh, sent me one called Glass Dot Photo. Mm -hmm. It's like a social network for serious photographers. And Lisa and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, she she knows that I used to do a lot of photography. Um, this really looks lovely. Some of the stuff they do uh, and their highlighting is, is amazing photography. Mm -hmm. Problem that I have, and I might've mentioned this before is if, if I get into a 
photography focused site, it's going to be a dangerous, dangerous slope for me as it's one of those things that I could get a little too competitive. And in that, I mean, just, you know, taking a snapshot of the dog and my face are probably not things that are going to go on there. What's going to have to happen is I'm going to have to dig out my studio lights and set those up, brush the dog, pose the dog, and then take one of those quality pictures. And that's just heavy on the photography that I don't really want to do. I don't, I don't have a need for it in my life at the moment. And so that's a very slippery slope for me. But if you're looking for a really lovely, uh, inspirational type of photography place, Glass.Photo looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Link in the show notes. Uh, and I was talking to Bob, who has left Twitter, mm -hmm. and he is on a waiting list for post.news which is a, a new beta thing. And uh, it's kind of an alternative if you can't find a Mastodon server and you're looking for something. Have you heard anything about this uh, post.news too? Uh, I, I maybe in passing. I mean, I'm tending to let most of this stuff just wash over me at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so th there's a couple of options there. We've got links in the show notes. The, the post.news is beta now and there's a waiting list uh, and, Gosh knows from all this, all the stuff I follow and listen to, everybody's leaving Twitter and trying every other network. So who knows if you'll get on there anytime soon, but there's a couple of options if people are interested. All right, back to the regulars. Tool of the week, Stu, what do you got? Uh, well, it sort of touches back on what I was talking about there. Uh, Parkinson's law. So um, <laughs> that's the law that sort of work expands to the time allocated to do it. So um, uh, for me, I have a deadline on Sunday, uh, where my, my sort of term paper, I guess is the, is the, the right phrase for my risk management module, um, needs to be finished by midnight Swiss time. Uh, it's not a huge paper. It's about 4,000 words. Um, I've, you know, attended lots of lectures, done lots of reading, uh, and, I'll be honest with you, risk management isn't the most complicated subject that you'll ever come across. Um, but it's just been sort of sitting there, this assignment. I've had this assignment sort of in my sights for about six weeks. Um, and like most people, I've probably not done as much in the first five and a half as I should have. So, yeah, I, I sort of sat down and thought, okay, when am I going to do this? Okay, well, I'll maybe do it Tuesday or um i could do a bit on wednesday and then perhaps on Thursday. and um, by sort of being so vague i was effectively saying i'm just not going to do this so i i filled up my tuesday that was mostly chicago and the vet and all of that and then friday i've booked myself in for a golf competition um saturday i've got uh domestic duties uh so i kind of forced myself to go right it's going to be done on wednesday and thursday wednesday i mostly sat around doing other stuff procrastinating um got a little bit done um most importantly i got myself familiar with the tool that i'm using which uh we'll maybe come back to another time it's called zoteru oh that just rolls off the tongue doesn't it it does doesn't it it, it came from the uh, illustrious tj cosgrove um and it's it's a referencing tool so uh, if anybody's heard me talk about referencing before, they'll know how much I'm enjoying that. Um, so really, today was the day to to get it sort of knocked off. 
And as previously mentioned, it's also the day that His Majesty's Revenue and Customs decided to kick off at all my clients and my phone was red hot. Um, so I'm now finding myself going, oh, plan golf tomorrow. I've got stuff to do on Saturday. I know I'll give up sleep. Um, no, I'm sure I'm most of the way there now. So I will, I will get it finished. Oh, come on. We've all had those 3am papers yes. at, uh, at any university, no matter what you're doing. So oh, yeah. it's all good. Uh, just get some Red Bull and away you go. <laughs> I will be staying up that late. Heavens to Murgatroyd. What about you? What's been your tool of the week, JT? So I tried a focused Zoom work call. Uh, working with other people on camera. Mm-hmm. They're working on their stuff. Yep. I'm working on mine. We can look at each other. I know you've talked about this before. Mm. Uh, it is very, very strange, yep. but wonderfully productive. Yep. Uh, the the one I tried was from the focus course. Uh, you were a part of that, um, Sean Blanc and his team. Um, I signed up for the plan your year because, well, last year I planned my year and my wife having cancer, hmm. uh, kicked that right in the teeth. So this year I figured I would try that again. It was a relatively expensive thing. And that part of that was uh, an introduction into the focus course for a, a fairly low price. And I'm quite in, enjoying what I'm seeing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of this set a, an hour once a week, you just put on the zoom, sit there, don't talk to anybody at all. Um, has me going back and planning some more of those times on Focusmate, yep. which is the one that you recommended that you can get three free sessions a week. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, it's really cool. Uh, the plan your year that is coming up, I think it's December 6th and 7th. Are you going to go for that this year? I know you've done it for several years, so you might have already got your plan in, in place and ready to go. Yeah, no, I've taken a break from, uh, from the whole, uh, sort of membership, um, of, uh, work. I was accelerated, the accelerated membership. I've taken a break from that. It was all part of my, um, sort of, I suppose, focus, um, <laughs> around, uh, October and November, December, just what I was going to do for this quarter. And I've been pushing on actually getting, uh, some stuff out of the door business-wise delivering, uh, some product. So yeah, I've taken a break from it, but I suspect I will be going back um, sometime in the new year. I could, well, because I miss the guys there. And those, uh, it's a difficult value assessment when you're you're paying, uh, the way it works, you pay a monthly fee. And I was not getting any value out of it because I wasn't able to make the time zones things work for me the way that my life is currently set up and stuff. So, uh, I took a break from it, um, on, you know, all in very good terms. Uh, but I, I suspect I'll be going back in the new year or the spring sometime. The funny part is, uh, I kind of introduced myself into their little Slack channel that they have and a couple of people knew who I was Yeah, yes. and associated with me with you. So, um, I have to be on my best behavior just so I don't embarrass you. (laughs) I'm sure they'll, they'll all be thinking. Well, what was he hanging out with that that strange Scottish fellow for? You see, they'll, they'll be they'll be fine. Uh, it's all good, but uh, yeah, seriously, um, Focusmate. If you want to try one of these and you don't want to have a uh, a cost associated with it, give it a shot. It's it's out there. 
It's um, a little intimidating to sign up for your first one. I've kind of looked at it and then checked it out a couple of times, but uh, I think it's it's kind of a neat way to to work, especially if you are an at home worker like I am. Yeah, and I think I, I think actually I'm I'm still on it. I haven't used it in a while, so you can request um, specific users. So so if you want to get request one, request one with me or with Justin. Um, we'll be on there somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and we can we could do a focus mate session. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. I, I'm really impressed with it. It was it was much more. I I figured I'd just drop in and give it a try because yeah, I don't need this stuff. I mean, I my my face on on the camera. I just feel sorry for the other side, but <laughs> it was actually very productive. All right, Stu, what are you writing yep. about this week? Uh, well, very dull, isn't it? But I'm, I'm pretty much where I was last week. So, um, I've got my, uh, lovely Pelican with the, the sort of the pinky, the pinky sort of ink. I've got the Sailor Pro Gear, uh, and I have my Coeco Bra Sport. So a blue, a pink and a green ink. It's all very bright by my, my standards. Um, mm. loving it and still, still living in the world of, uh, pocket notebooks. So I'm working through my Glacier. Um, what am I about a third of a way through that, which is a notebook by Pebble notebooks all the way from Australia. Um, and yeah, to buy a river paper. So perfect. Just don't close it too quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Please, please account for the drying time. What about you? Are you using anything new? Yeah. Well, I wrote the show notes yesterday. And I said, no changes for me, but I have been using, I killed off uh, my pencil that I had in rotation the other week. So I pulled out a Tennessee red cedar, Mm. uh, which is absolutely lovely. Um, But boy, is that graphite solid compared to the black wings that I've been using lately. Uh, I I feel like I could tattoo myself with this one. (laughs) And then last night, you know how one does sitting at your desk, journaling, having a glass or two of brandy and well, I decided I'm in the mood for something new. Uh, so I went through my collection of pens and pulled out an Osprey, which I Googled this morning to figure out what it was an Osprey Milano fountain pen. Now Osprey is a, I'm not sure what you would call it, uh, a small maker. Um, I got this thrown in with another pen that I bought off someone. And I don't even remember who it was. It might've been the, uh, Vancouver pen club or an online thing that I did a number of years ago. It is a black ebonite. It's, it's a big weighty pen. It's probably about the size of a, uh, a Parker do fold to give you, you know, sort of that mm-hmm. big meaty pen. Um, it's, it's solid ebonite. So it's just black polished ebonite. Um, and I hadn't really used it. And I inked it up last night and went, oh, the nib is crap on it. That's why. Uh, It's a medium nib, which again, not something I would normally choose. But uh, I spent five minutes tweaking, sanding, uh, filing down the nib, uh, aligning all the tines properly. It's actually really lovely. So I've got that. One of the things that this pen does that's really neat is you could take the cap and it actually has threads on the back of the pen as well. So you can thread the cap onto the back of the pen, which makes this thing, it's got to be eight inches long from tip to the end of it. It's huge, but uh, it's pretty cool. And I, I was looking for something different to 
to write with a different color than what I've got at the moment. And I picked uh, Diamonds Seize the Night, which was an Inkvent ink that I got last year because, well, Inkvent is coming up next week. So I was thinking, let's pick something from last year. This, I pulled a description from Van Ness, is a deep purple with low shaning and low gold sheen. Mm. It, it's almost black, but it's not black. I, and it's it's really a neat color to work with in this pure black ebonite pen. So there you go. I just felt like something different, and I went digging deep into the dark recesses of my desk and found something that I probably haven't written with in five years at least. Uh, and love it. It's it. I got my whole journal entry done last night with it. Uh, sends uh, gratitude journal, uh, but lovely. Cool. Very good. This was almost a gift for me, Stu, because somebody gave it to me. Ah. But this week, because we, crappy sad way, I know, but we're going to talk about gifts for stationary nerds. I really should have thought that one out a little bit better. Oh, well, we'll, we'll just go ahead with it. We'll roll. Um, it is the season of spending with Christmas coming. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, my birthday's coming up, just so everybody knows. Um, last weekend, my family demanded I drive to one of the big cities with them, which is about an hour each way. Uh, and it does have a lot of people. Uh, so I Googled it. It has 142,000 people, which is why there are stores there. Um, I'm not sure. 142,000 people. Is that more than the entire population of Cyprus? No, 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 no. Uh, there's lots more of us than that. I think we're about, I think it's about a million and a half now. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, the, the whole of island. I've got to check now. Mm -hmm. It's uh uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big city by our, um, <laughs> by our standards. That's for sure. The, the city that I'm closest to. It's a pretty big city by ours as well. Yeah. Uh, Limassol, uh, which is my adjacent city has got uh, about a hundred thousand, uh, population. Oh, so that's a big city. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Cyprus's second city. So our nearest town city, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this about half an hour drive for me is about 30,000 people. So I, I have to drive into the big one. But anyway, my family demanded that I go to the big city so they could pick out gifts for me. In other words, I could actually tell them what I want. And more importantly, because they know me, what I don't already have. And they could buy it for me. Um, but the gift choices, even with a, a city of 142,000 people, I was kind of picking from what was available in the local mall. Mm. I know, stool. A mall is a North American invention located just west of Purgatory where the souls of people who care about their items go to die. And uh, we do have them in Cyprus. Ah, uh, pretty much. Um, so, you know, while I, while I care about my family and truly appreciated their desire to get me something that I wanted Walking around a mall, looking for stuff, kind of felt like I was buying stuff. Um, I'm hard to buy for because probably like Stu, I tend to pick up what I want as I go. And yes, Stu and I definitely are awfully privileged to be able to do that. And I'm also pretty picky. So, you know, I want to avoid the pain of the Costco socks or the dad golf shirts that, well, we as children bought my dad because... He didn't seem to have any hobbies, so we just bought him, you know, stuff that 
Yeah, well, he'll use it. I don't think he ever wore one of those shirts in his life, but we bought them every year. And mm -hmm. so I kind of thought about this and thought, you know, we need to have a conversation about this, Stu. Put together an episode where people can come up with ideas and also how to approach buying gifts for stationary enthusiasts and more importantly, how to suggest to other people what they would like. Uh, maybe you can recommend this show to people on your that will be buying for you. Make a list from it, leave it around, post it on Twitter if it's still there, yeah. or or stick it on your fridge as a subtle hint. Uh, show notes are at uh, stationaryjacent.com slash episode slash 085. Stu, I, I guess before we go, we get into the details too much, what do you do for Christmas? And do you, do you go to the mall with uh, Mrs. L or how does that work for you? Uh, not if I can help it. Um, I do believe actually that that's, my duty for the weekend is I will be going to a butcher, a distant butcher, um, with whom we are going to have a serious conversation about Christmas meats. Not something that's going to uh, ever appeal to you, but it's apparently, so I'm told, very important to us now. I mean, okay, everybody brace yourselves. Uh, we don't do gifts. Um, I don't think we ever consciously sort of decided not to but we just sort of stopped doing it. Um, I, I have a couple of hobbies. Um, I'm in stationery, as people may have gathered. Um, I play golf, which people also may have gathered. Uh, and I don't want anybody ever to buy me anything for either of those hobbies. I know what I want. Um, I know what I use. I know what I value. I know what I think is good. And it's an unfair challenge to put in front of a non-stationary nerd or a non-golfing nerd uh, to get to get me anything. There are a few people who would know exactly the sort of thing that's going to light my fire, uh, but I wouldn't want them to spend that sort of money anyway. So um, we don't really do gifts. Um, Mrs. L doesn't particularly want me going out and buying her sort of perfume. When, when Mrs. L wants a certain perfume, she approaches it in a very delicate and sensitive way and says, you know that perfume, blah, blah, blah? And I go, yes, buy me some. Got it. Thank you. Um, and I have a tendency to do that whenever I'm in the shop rather than try and save it for Christmas. Um, and I, I've, you know, occasions I've given her some perfume and said, oh, here you go. And she's gone, oh, is that for Christmas? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's my Christmas present. Oh, right, okay, good. Um, so I don't really do it, obviously. Um, I also run a stationery store, so I am aware that people do do it. Um, and I think the, the way I approach this was that there are three, three ways here. Okay, we've got, if you are a stationery nerd and your, uh, your partner or your, you know, your significant other is not a stationery nerd, then you need to communicate extremely clearly. As, as Justin has just said, perhaps give them the show notes or set, send them a little message with a link in it. Um, because otherwise you might be dreaming of a Lamy 2000 and you'll end up with a Safari and you're going to be disappointed. Um, and they'll go, but it's pink. Uh, honestly, trust me on this. You, nobody is going to have your taste. So if you want stationery from someone who is a normal person, then I think you need to communicate with them. If you're a normal person 
or someone who's a little bit interested in stationary, stationary adjacent, one might say, Ooh. then, and you're buying for a stationary nerd, then take away all the stress of the situation and go to them and say, I'd really like to buy you some stationery, but I think you are quite particular in your tastes. Then sit back and listen for 15 minutes while they tell you exactly how particular they are and what it is they want. Then go and buy it for them. <laughs> the most interesting one is if you're a stationery nerd, shopping for a stationery nerd. That's where you can have a bit of fun. That's where you can look at what they use, how they use it, and make some pretty good guesses at what they might want. You can also buy them some things and say, I think you think this is not for you, but you need to try it. You can be opinionated. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I would always recommend people go classic. Buy the classics, because they are classic for a reason. They're brilliant. Mont Blancs all the way around. Mm, Mont Blanc are beautiful. They are stunning. And as I'm sure everybody knows, um, once you get over a couple of hundred bucks, then the pen is pretty much the same. It's everything else that you're paying for. The marketing, the brand, the furnishings on the pen, but the actual gubbings of the pen are pretty much the same because there's only so much you can do with the pen. Um, and Mont Blanc, you are getting, well, I suppose the iconic fountain pen brand these days, the one that's always seen as top end. They are beautiful pens. I have several. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a weakness for Mont Blanc. Um, uh, and they're beautiful bits of kit. Now, if, if you're looking at spending that sort of money, good luck to you. Fantastic. Um, go to a Mont Blanc boutique would be my advice. You can buy them. Uh, you can get very good deals on Mont Blanc um, at auction houses. Um, but unless you know what you're doing, I recommend you don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking more of things like the Coeco Sport. Okay, if, you're, if we're going to do fountain pens. The Coeco Sport is this is the short little stubby pocket pen. Um, the classic sport is made of plastic. It comes in a million and one colors. It's a heady $25 a go. Uh, and it's beautiful. It's a lovely, lovely pen. Uh, it takes a little international cartridge. It's very well, short cartridge. It's very easy to, to refill. It's very easy to clean. It's very easy to use and carry. Um, sometimes the nibs can be a little bit ropey, but uh, if, if that comes up, just let us know. We'll tell you what to do about it. Um, upgrade from that is the brass sport, uh, possibly definitely in my top five favorite pens is the Coeco brass sport. It is a weapon. It weighs a lot. Uh, you can use it as a knuckle duster. Um, you could use it as a really small baseball bat. Um, and it stinks. <laughs> Brass stinks in your hand. It makes you you're selling sweat. that, aren't you? Just really <laughs> selling that one. But it's 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 brilliant. It's a fantastic pen. I've run over mine twice, um, and Margaret's run over it as well. And that's in a large BMW SUV, um, and the the pen came off far better than the tire. Um, it's it's a great little pen, hundred dollars, um, and will last forever. You know, it develops a patina. If you want to get technical, i.e. all of your sweat will mix with the brass and make its own distinctive sheen. Um, 
I think if you look at most people who are into pens, they've all got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, ten of these things. They just they seem to just appear. I think Brad has got more than he's prepared to actually publicly admit. Brad Doley, the pen addict. Mm. Um, that's the other thing I would say is if you're thinking about pens, go and check out his website um, <laughs> or indeed his podcast. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this are aware of the, <laughs> the podcast, but it is um, The Pen Addict and the blog is thepenaddict.com where he has top fives of all the price points, all the considerations, and they're all great stuff. Oh, you've added one in here, just Good Lord. What's this? Some sort of some sort of ballpoint, is it? Well, there's actually two that I threw in here. Uh, the first one is the Retro 51. So if you're looking, you know, let's say you're a stationary nerd and you're looking for a gift for someone, Retro 51 is a great starter pen for anybody. It's also one of those that the chances are somebody can go out on the interwebs, find one for you, and it will probably be one that you don't have because there are so many of them. There's every color and design available. The Baron Fig Squire also uses the same refill and is a lovely little pen as well. Uh, again, gifts or people buying for you, uh, nice, easy choices out there. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I would actually say the, the Baron Fig Squire um, really suits someone who's got a sort of stripped down aesthetic, likes a bit of minimalism, um, there is always a Baron Fig Squire around my desk somewhere because it's what I hand to somebody if they need to write a note um, and I don't want to give them one of my fountain pens or if I need to sign the back of a credit card or sign a check, something that I don't want ink to smudge on, then I will use um, a Baron Fig. They're very, very nice pens. If you are buying a, a fountain pen for somebody, there's always a challenge of what do they like? Uh, Stu and I are, well, we don't like the same things. Stu likes paintbrushes. I like needles. Uh, our nib choices are completely opposite. What do you think about buying somebody just a medium nib or receiving a medium nib? Is that good enough for almost everybody, no matter what you like, Stu? Uh, I mean, it depends where you're going. If you're uh, if you're at the top of the, the world, if you're, you know, going out and buying your Mont Blanc, then find out that a don't, don't leave it a chance. You, you find out what nib somebody wants. Um, just because cha changing a nib on a Mont Blanc is not cheap. Um, it's, uh, it's an investment in itself. Uh, you can buy replacement nibs. It's easily done. But um, I would really say if you're going to do that sort of money, then you should be getting someone their dream pen because it's going to cost you. Um, with a Coeco, uh, you can change your nibs in and out. It's, it's easy. Um, Anywhere you can buy a Kaweco will have spare nibs. Um, and everybody has a range. I think, uh, just to sort of put his finger on it, people who like broad nibs like everything from medium up. Um, people who like fine nibs like everything from medium down. So most people can get on with a medium. Certainly for me, in a pocket pen, I wouldn't see the point in having a broad nib. Um, I, having said that, I do have one with a double broad name. <laughs> Um, Justin, if I was buying a Kaweco for Justin, I'd probably get him a fine, which he would consider to be a medium. But again, I'm a stationary nerd. And when it comes to stationary nerds, I know what sort of nibs Mike Hurley likes. I know what sort of nibs uh, Brad Dowdy likes. Just 
we know that stuff about each other because you hear people talking and you go, ah, he's one of those. Um, but yeah, if you don't know, then find out. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, again, if you're looking for things specifically, really good to give people links to what you're looking for, even the best place to buy from, because depending where you are, you will know what the best choices are for for you to get shipping, free shipping, for example. Sure. For for me, if I buy from a Canadian store and I hit a certain amount, I can get free shipping. If I buy from an American store, not only do I have to pay international shipping, I quite often get dinged at the border for import charges and taxes. So there's a lot of unknowns. So, you know, really subtly, you know, leave the exact pen that you want. Links are great. Go buy it here. It's perhaps not as romantic as we would like to think, but it's it's practical, especially for pens. Uh, pens are so specific for each user. Uh, if you're going to go, you know, give somebody an idea, just get me a medium in, whatever you feel like, then that's a good way to get something interesting and fun. Kind of like the Osprey pen that I'm using that I didn't actually ask for or order. It came as a package deal. Somebody threw it in with a, a much more expensive pen that I was using. And, well, it's a medium nip and I'm enjoying it. So there you go. All right. I think one of the things that is a little less contentious, perhaps, is paper. Because we all use paper and you can't really go wrong with paper. Saying that, I'm sure you can, but. <laughs> oh, dear. He's walked into a bear trap there, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Stu, tell me tell me what I need to know. Well, I mean, I think um, pocket notebooks, um, uh, they were incredibly in vogue a few years ago. I think that's faded a little. Um, and I think, it, you know, we've discussed many times how our use of pocket notebooks sort of faded away with lockdowns and stuff. Um, I'm... I'm back into pocket notebooks, but that was a a conscious decision and an effort. It didn't come naturally. Pocket notebooks are a kind of lifestyle. So um, you want to know about pocket notebooks? Listen to Take Note by um, Ted and Adam. Uh, Great little podcast. A couple of American guys talking about what they've written down in their pocket notebook that week. Um, That's what pocket notebooks are about. It's, It's disposable. Um, you're not likely to write the next great American novel in your pocket notebook, but you might make a witty observation. Something might strike you, um, a sunset, a sunrise, uh, something that somebody said, uh, in a cafe that you were hanging out in and you just jot it down there and you might sit there with it open and say, Hmm. I haven't done any gratitude journaling for a while. What am I grateful for? And, you know, maybe you'll come up with the stand. You know, I quite like the chance to come out and have a cappuccino on my own and write a little note in my pocket notebook. So there's a certain amount of aspiration. There's a certain amount of um, look in, in the pocket notebook. And so with pocket notebooks, the quality is not really the issue. The pocket notebook is about what do I like? What feels cool? I've never had a pocket notebook I didn't like. So people give me pocket notebooks all the time, uh, manufacturers, little makers uh, who, who want to sat near us and they send them to me. Uh, and they're great. 
they're fantastic. Then I will see Kickstarters and go, oh, that looks interesting. And I, I go to other people and buy pocket notebooks, which is a slightly strange thing for somebody to say who owns a pocket notebook company. The website that I, I run used to be called pocketnotebook.co.uk. Um, so gift-wise, these are relatively inexpensive. Um, you can get uh, two packs now for uh, less than 10 US. Um, three packs tend to be about $11, $12. A bit more in the UK if I've brought them over from the States. Um, but you're talking around that range. We do a quarterly subscription at Nero's where you will get um, usually a couple of packs uh, each subscription, which comes quarterly. So you've got three months and then to use two packs of notebooks, which will probably be six notebooks. Uh, and we, you know, mix and match all the brands. We come up with stuff that's interesting just to, to keep the variety alive. So I'm a big believer in that, which is kind of why I bought the company, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Field Notes, uh, they have their own subscription. They they do their own uh, sort of quarterly seasonal one, um, which I guess by definition, they're all field notes. Now, I used to be a subscriber faithfully for a long time, um, but their international shipping was getting a bit tiresome. Uh, they kept sending it to some poor random uh, guy in Andover who had no interest in, in pocket notebooks. And then it was the devil's own work for me to get hold of them. Um, and also... You know, they're, they're kind of samey after a while. You've been doing it for three or four years. You think, mm, these are a bit the same. So um, if you haven't subscribed to Field Notes, they are, they are the, you know, they're the originals. They're the guys that brought these pocket notebooks back to life, along with Molskine. Uh They're very simple books, uh, 48 pages, 32 pages, 48 generally. Um, staple, nice covers little bit of a, a backstory and they're built around the idea of the notebooks that used to be given away for free by agricultural suppliers in the states so they're they're very every man um you don't want fountain pens on these things you want a nice little robust pen or a pencil that you can carry everywhere have in your back pocket in your levi's uh and write down something witty you know channel your inner steinbeck there you go that's that's what you do with pocket notebooks, but pocket notebooks are tough to get at. They're, they're tough to get with paper that suits fountain pens. That's a slightly different thing. If the person you're buying for is a fountain pen user, um, I'm thinking of Amanda who writes for Nero's Notes. Um, you can find her, by the way, amandafleet.co.uk. Oh, I've got lots of links to do. Um, she She doesn't. She can't abide pocket notebooks. She doesn't like the size and they don't behave well with fountain pens. So she hates them. All right. She's, she's got an opinion about it. Oh yeah. Um, I was actually thinking, you know, you can't go wrong with a moleskine. Yep. Now you're going to hear a lot on stationary bloggers about how well, let's call it inconsistent, uh, but crappy might be a good word for some of Moleskine's paper choices. But at the end of the day, I think for most of us, particularly over a certain age, Moleskine's, their, their black, what do they call it? Soft leatherette cover with the little flippy band that held them together was what got us falling in love with stationery again. 
And I, I think you could, you could get somebody something like that. And even if they hate the paper, they'll have that great memory. They'll, they'll pick it up and they'll write with it, even if it is just to complain about it again, <laughs> but they won't just, they won't just leave it there. I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I still love them, even though I know for me, for what I write with, there are so much better choices out there. There's something about that particular form factor, that particular brand. I, and really it's a marketing company. They did a good job and it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, they're, uh, an Italian company now. Um, and yeah, as you say, the marketing is, is second to none. And, you know, I made a joke, uh, in the show notes that, uh, you know, some people who like pocket notebooks uh, don't actually want to write in them. Uh, and those are the people that you tend to buy Moleskine for because they want to look like the architect. They, they probably think that, you know, turtlenecks or palinecks look cool. Um, they quite like crossing their legs when they're sitting in a cafe. Um, they, if they do have a, a computer with them, it'll be a very nice MacBook. They'll be very well uh, presented. Um, and that's kind of the whole Moleskine sort of marketing picture. It's very aspirational. You know, Steve Jobs would have carried a Moleskine. Um, and in fact, Moleskine did make all sorts of claims. <laughs> Hemingway used Moleskine. Well, um, yeah, kind of, sort of. Um, I mean, Hemingway used notebooks that he could buy in Paris partially because he lived in Paris. Um, I'm not sure he was particularly bothered about what paper it was, but, um, yeah, as you say, they, they, um, every year they put their sort of paper requirements out to tender and the, the various companies in the far East beat for it. Um, and so sometimes Moleskines are made in Vietnam. Sometimes they're made in Thailand. Um, sometimes they're made elsewhere. And, you know, it's a perfectly good business model. I'm, I'm not criticizing it, but it does mean that their stuff is inconsistent. Um, having said that, I could probably lay my hands on five or six of them without leaving my desk. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just like that, aren't they? There's, there's still something cool about yep. them. And even the Leutsch term that I, I do prefer as a daily driver because it works better with my yep. fountain pens. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is, let's face it, it's an A5 Moleskine. Uh, well, I mean, my Molesky make their own A5s, but <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same design. It's that iconoclastic sort of um, elastic round there um, and then a little pocket in the back so that you can slip your receipts and other things into that. That is that is now the classic A5. And yeah, I mean, we carry Leuchtturmer um, Nero's. They are much more reliable. They're much better paper, but also can be a bit inconsistent, I have to say. Mm. All right. Um, what about planners? You've got a section on planners here. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the first thing I would say about planners is that I do not sell them at Nero's um, for the very simple reason that um, we're not big enough to be able to do a sale or return deal with manufacturers. So um, if I have 10 planners in my stock, then I have to sell those 10 planners. Otherwise, you know, the ones I don't sell are pure loss. Um, and so you have to get very good at anticipating your sales levels. And that's not easy in a world that's a very competitive and B where taste changes. So we don't carry any planners. Uh, and the ones that I've listed out are planners that I have used, do use. Um, and one that we do carry at uh, Nero's because it's pretty much undated. 
um, so it doesn't sort of run out. Um, first one is one we've spoken about before is The Economist. Um, they're desk diaries. They make pocket diaries and stuff as well, but it's the desk diary. The desk diary is the one you want. It comes in red, black, or blue. Red. The Economist is red. Red is The Economist. Economist is red. There is blue and black. Red is The Economist. So uh, it's a rather a red leatherette cover. Um, it's got this unique sort of double spiral binding. It's quite a sight to see. If you get the page per day one, um, it is a little bit like having the Book of Mormon on your desk. It's enormous. <laughs> um, and you can, you can use it for uh, weight training. Um, should, you be, should you be burgled? You could use it as a lethal weapon. It's a big old thing. The weak to view is a much more sort of sensible size. It's still got the double spiral uh, and it has an enormous amount of information that will never serve any purpose at all for you. But if you ever suddenly need to know the the distance between Tokyo and Sydney, you'll be able to look it up. If you want to know the population of Chicago, you'll be able to look it up. Um, why anybody would need that? In a, in a diary in the, the age of the internet, I don't know. But there you go. They are beautiful things. They are lovely. The paper's great, fantastic with a fountain pen. And because the scale is so big, you can comfortably write with any sort of nib in there. Um, I, I've had them and um, just get so heartbroken when I sort of stop journaling for whatever reason and leave them blank. And they are not inexpensive as well, I would also say. Um, now that I've hit you with that, I think they're about £109 sterling. So Yeah, it was a shipping that killed it to me. Sure. That. Well, once once he sort of accepted that that, you know, paying over a hundred pounds for a <laughs> for a diary is fine, then uh you need to go along to Smithson and have a look at their diaries, which you know, make make £109 look a snip. Uh, they come in different sizes. None of the sizes conform with any of the sizes you've met before. They're almost entirely unique. They're based on old, old sizing, quarto and post-quarto. And um, The one that I like is um, the Portobello Diary uh, in Panama. I like the Nile Blue. Smithson comes in all sorts of colors, um, and they're all wonderful as long as they're blue. So there are a million and one colors. It's a bit like The Economist is red, uh, Smithson is blue. You are getting the idea, yes. Uh, Nile blue, so any sort of lighter blue, they are sexy, all right? The paper is that color too. Um, it's a beautiful, I, I call it unique is overstating it, but not paper you'll find everywhere. Fantastic with a fountain pen. British design at its absolute best. This is the real deal. This is the real stuff. Um, but it's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, have a look. All of their stuff, everything that Smithson sell is desirable. Um, you can find them online and you can also find them now increasingly in big airports. So um, in London, Heathrow. Um, I've seen them at Gatwick in the UK. I've seen them in Rome, Fiumicino. So the, the bigger airports, you will you'll begin to see Smithson stores. That's the, that's the kind of market they're shooting at. They'll be next to the Mont Blanc shop. Um, the next one, um, the Hobonichi Teco. 
uh, available. You can find it in local places. So I imagine uh, Jet Pens, uh, Goulet Pens, those sort of guys in the States uh, from the UK. You can buy them at the journal shop. Or you can go directly to the website, which is in Japan, um, which has got the uh, strangest URL ever. It's 1101.com. Oh, I don't know either. Um, the classic Hobonichi Teko is a six, so really small, uh, and it's page per day. So it's a thick little blighter, but because the paper is so, so fine, it's Tamari River, um, it doesn't take up much space, bearing in mind it's a page per day for a year. Uh, it comes, well, it doesn't come, but you buy it with a cover and then a cover for the cover and then a bag for the cover. It, it's a thing. Trust me. It's a thing. Um, there's all sorts of accessorizing that goes on. Um, if you get really into Hobonichis, then you might end up getting into washi tape and you're really beginning to get beyond my competence, but they are lovely little things. I had one for a couple of years and what I really enjoyed was that each, each entry was, I suppose, a couple of sentences and it was full, uh, for me as a planner, useless, not big enough. Um, but as a sort of little journal, um, it was fine. And they do have bigger sizes now. So you can get A5 and you can get half year, um, all sorts of stuff. It's the paper that everybody goes to. And, and the whole Japanese design, which is, you know, everything is accessorized. And um, The thing that's hysterically funny about Hobonichi is that everybody went for them because the amazing paper, and it's so wonderful with fountain pens. But with every uh, Hobonichi Teko that you buy from the, the website, they send you an awful biro with, you know, one of those multicolor ones where you click down blue and you can click down red. And- oh, yeah, the, the Bic little four, four color one. Yes. Yeah. I may yes. have one or two of those kicking around. Yeah, well, you, that's what you get free with this planner book that everybody's bought because it's wonderful with, with you know, their Montblancs and Sailors and... Uh, <laughs> Go figure. Um, and it's then, Japan. They do things a little differently out there. Absolutely. I mean, these are the guys that worked out that raw fish is good. Um, and yeah, Stalogy uh, A5, the 365-day notebook, is uh, undated. So you, you have the days and you have the months and you have the numbers and you just circle them. Uh, and it's also very, very faintly marked on the page. So I, I kind of use it as a blank notebook. Um, but we have those in there as they're lovely too um great planners planners i i'm i'm one of those people that always 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 wants a planner in fact i'm fighting myself now not to order one um (laughs) but i never ever stick with them Mm. would you stay away from anything that's so specific Uh, or you know i think this is one again where having some sort of input is probably good to find out what somebody's going to stick with or what they're using now yeah i mean i think i think again it comes down to the whole price thing you know if if you're going to buy a good planner um you're going to pay for it Mm. you know the the, it's a significant investment and you don't want the person receiving it to be going oh this is great but i don't want it you know um if if you've put a load of money into it so it's definitely worth one investing and again if if the person you're talking to is a a stationary nerd they're, they're pretty much going to give you three options without really looking up from what they're doing. They can tell you what they like around the planning world or that they don't like the planning world. I got to tell you, Stu, I clicked on one of the links that you sent. 
I now have a Portobello notebook <laughs> in Panama, forty uh, percent off sale today because it's Black Friday. Yep. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I'm not sure it'll. I, I'll go through the checkout part, but it's it's in my bag, sitting staring at me. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Well, listen, it's not. How many times will you have a a, a diary that has gilt-edged pages? Yeah, because <sighs> yeah, that's what I need. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have a bit of guilt. I mean, there's a lovely Panama pencil, only £25 extra. Just saying. <laughs> That's right up there with uh, Graf von Faber-Castell. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, it, it's a weird world. The world of Smithson is a weird world. We talked uh, very briefly about uh, Leuchtturm 1917, which uh, are available from Neros and also Molschkeen. Hmm. Um those make great daily drivers. Uh, yep. We've got a link to the Leuchtturm stuff at Nero's in the show notes. Um, I got an email from you this morning about Endless. Mm. I think it was. Yep. Tell me, tell me about Endless. Uh, Endless are, uh, they're an Indian firm and they make, uh, they sort of burst onto the market with the Endless Recorder, which was a daily driver-esque type thing so it's it's that a5 size it's got the elastic uh soft covers uh and some area of paper um just brilliant really really nice very well made good quality uh at a really good price point so they came and made a big sort of splash in the market and then uh like everyone else discovered that tomorrow river was was no longer going to be available so they've been hunting around for uh replacement paper and they've come up with some some stuff now called regalia which is much heavier than tomorrow but performs very very well with fountain pens so um they've just recently got themselves a uk distributor which means that we've managed to get hold of some some stock so we now have some tomorrow old stock uh, in stock which will go pretty soon which is why i sent sent the uh, newsletter out because some people are you know they're terrified of the day that Samoa is is no longer around so uh, they tend to snap up everything um but the regalia is really good too um and they're you know they're, they're a good outfit I, I like working with them we used to work with them direct um which was a pain in the backside for them and a pain in the backside for us because of customs and all that stuff so uh, they've now started working with a, a distributor who um I'm having a chat with next week or a FaceTime as, uh, as we're all Apple users. Um, and well, they are also distributors for a certain pen that you mentioned earlier that begins with retro oh. and ends in 51. So, um, who knows? We may be bringing the retro 51 to Nero's as well. Wow. There you go. Good choice. If, if anybody's looking for a gift, I say highly recommended. Cool. Um, what's happening with uh, Rodia lately? They were big years ago, and I'm not sure if they're just not innovating or doing anything. Uh, their A4 pad is one of my go-tos for uh, the, the whatever they're called, the top-bound uh, one. Yep. It's, it's a go-to for me, but uh, I haven't seen anything new or colors or exciting or you know anything really from them in a little while. Uh, I think they are still a good choice, though, if they're available. Uh, what do you know about them, Stu? Yeah, I mean, Rodia is, um, I mean, everything is still available. That's for sure. Um, the quality is second to none, in my opinion. 
Um, their paper is slightly uh, unusual in that it's uh, in um, it's, it's lacquered is not the right word. Uh, it's coated paper. So um, some some ink pen users love it. Some don't. Um, it's it's a different experience. So your ink tends to lie on the top um, in a sort of Tomoe-esque type way, but you don't get the same sort of sheening. The paper's much heavier, uh, and it doesn't get on with some nibs. So it that sort of coating can make it feel a little bit toothy, is the technical term. Um, so it's it's... I'm not going to say it's an acquired taste, but it is a specific taste. The colors, uh, Rhodiorama, which is their soft cover, um, they have a whole range of colors. I mean, literally a rainbow, which is beautiful and it's lovely and it's a nightmare for retailers because um, uh, their ordering system is um, well, it's the best that 1984 has to offer. So it, it's a little bit cumbersome. And then you go in and you go, Oh, so there are 36, no, 48, no, 96 SKUs here because of the colors and the paper types. So you have ruled, you have uh, dot, you have plain. Um, you also have a few more with radio, but just say those three, and then, and then you have 36 colors. And it's like, oh no, what do I buy? Because guaranteed, guaranteed whatever i stock we get an email saying i see you've got the orange in dot but do you have the tangerine in ruled um so, so that's the reason that we don't have much of it um and it's uh for some reason i don't, I don't know what I mean, it's probably very specific to to nero's for some reason there's somewhere else in the uk that people buy all their rodeo because they don't really buy it from us whenever i have a lot of stock it it sits around for a long time um but but like I say, the, the key thing with them f from a retailer's point of view is that ordering is, is um, Claire and I fight not to have to do the Rodeo order um, because it's, you know, enormous PDFs and huge long stock numbers and um, uh, that you appear to find the same product in 12 different places with slightly different SKUs and and. <laughs> okay what's the difference what am i gonna end up getting one here that's you know got black paper or something um but yeah it's a great choice if if you like rodeo um some of its tear off pad stuff you know the yellow legal pads uh it's list pads um i've just been had my ear bent by the current mrs lennon who wants some shopping list pads um, so I will be getting some Rodia in pretty soon. Uh, quite expensive as well. It is quite expensive to the higher, higher end of the pricing. Cool. All right. What do we get for the stationary nerd who has everything? You got some thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of this. I mean, okay. Um, things I haven't written down, but Blackwing, um, collectible pencils. Um, I'm not sure that they're as popular as they once were. But they do uh, limited editions. Uh, they do special editions, quarterly editions. Uh, and they also have wonderful stock uh, offerings in very soft leaded pencils. They have some firm ones too. Uh, famously, Steinbeck used them. Um, and he had, a, he had a wonderful habit of he would start the day with a pot of 12 sharpened pencils. Uh, and then he would just keep writing 
Uh, and once the pencil dulled, he'd move to the next. And then when he'd finished the 12 pencils, they were all dulled, he would sharpen them again for the next day's writing. And that was, that was his routine. Um, they're really nice. Um, I, I think there's a little bit of Blackwing fatigue amongst the stationary nerds, but certainly there are some people out there that still adore them and collect them, have a secondary market for them. Um, I'm a big fan of Maker's Cabinet, who are a bunch of English guys, um, which uh, were still students just finished, I think, uh, out of London. And they design uh, things that absolutely nobody knows they need. So uh, the first one was the Hervel. Hervel which is, it's a pencil sharpener that looks a lot like a plane. Um, and I mean that P-L-A-N-E. So it's like a little tiny little brass woodworking tool and you plane down the end of your pencil. Um, it's A, difficult, <laughs> B, therapeutic. Um, I'm left-handed, which makes it even more entertaining. But you, you set the blade and then you sort of hand sharpen your pencil. Very cool. Um, mine looks really good on the desk, and that's kind of all it does. Um, the, they also have um, a thing called an iris, which is this wonderful sort of circle. It's a little tool for drawing circles. Did you know that you need a little tool for drawing circles? Probably not. I did not. not know I needed a tool for drawing circles. Um, but it's beautiful. They have a, a pencil holder. Um, I'm just reaching for mine now called the ferrule. Um, so that's what to do if you've got a little short pencil and you want to extend it. It's a pencil extender. It's made of brass. Uh, it has a little replaceable eraser. It's beautifully crafted, beautifully made. These are all wonderful, wonderful sort of oddities. They're not for everyone, but for a stationary nerd, they are curiously attractive. There's more as well. There's a ruler called the Stria, um, uh, which, you know, I, I have the whole set. They make up a little, a little shelving unit for me. I'm just looking to see where it is now. But they are very, <laughs> very pretty. You can find them in the States. If you just look at Maker's Cabinet, you'll find uh, suppliers. Uh, otherwise, come to Nero's or indeed Maker's. have got their own website in the UK, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is Lockby. So uh, Brad, Brad Dowdy of um, uh, Pen Addict fame, uh, used to have a company called Knock who made some really nice pen covers out of sort of uh, ballistic nylon and uh, some really lovely pen covers. And everybody, you know, adored them and, and still do. And I think now he's got one or two are being made under license, I think by oh rickshaw in san francisco rickshaw that's it rickshaw bags that's right um but when he got out when knock sort of stopped um around at the same time a company called lockby popped up um uh, run by a guy called chris who's got a military background and is an outdoorsman you know he loves to be outdoors doing the doing the thing you know in the woods with the bears all that jazz um and likes to do it with a fountain pen now, there's a Venn diagram you won't see very much, but um, he then created this range of notebook covers, pen covers, kit carriers um, that are very similar to Knock with a slightly more sort of outdoorsy feel. Um, the, the Field Journal is a sort of, it's like a, 
It's like an outdoor jacket for your notebook. So you, you put your notebook in there. It's got a few little pockets. You've got a little pen loop and that's it. You can, you can be all outdoorsy, rough, tough and ready, but with a nice fountain pen, which kind of suits my aesthetic. Uh, they are lovely. They are really nice pieces of kit. Uh, they do a thing called a venture pouch, which sort of, you know, is a carry all. Uh, they have a tool roll. They have all sorts of good funky stuff that, you know, for the stationary nerd who has everything. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. Great. Wow. Lots of stuff there for everybody. So if you have anything on that list, some reminders, so, ah, there you go. Leave this episode around for somebody. Give them some hints. <sighs> wow. You're making me think of what I want. <laughs> just just email email us at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com and uh, tell us what you're looking for. And if we can help, we will. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, though we do have expensive taste. Though I got to say, we, we were pretty good today, weren't we? Yeah. We, we went from, you know, $25 fountain pens to inexpensive pencils, well, right up to Maker's Cabinet. But there we go. Mm-hmm. All right, Stu, uh, quickly, any takeaways? Because we're going a bit long today. Indeed we are. People will have to go the long way to listen to us. Yeah. Well, yeah, you get me talking about stationery. This, this sort of thing's going to happen. So, yeah, um, well, in true old man style, uh, it's not about presence. It's about presence. Uh, put your devices away. Laugh. Enjoy the company of your nearest and dearest. There you are. Wow, lovely. Mine is somewhat similar because I was thinking about this. The older I get, the less I care about the what I get. It's it's always the thought that is most important. And I think, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to get particular or not worry about it. You know, I'm just going to buy it myself. Going out with my family last week, it reminded me that giving is also a pleasure for the giver. For me, finding something for my family, for my family, finding something for me. And I think that putting some thought into a well-thought-out gift, even if it's not a surprise, kind of makes a holiday season special for for some families and for some friends. So something to think about. Um, Go out there, enjoy it. Let people buy for you if they want, even if it's not quite what you want. That's why we give them some hints. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can still find me uh, at twitter.com forward slash Stu Lennon, or you can find me on Instagram at stuart.lennon.587. You can find my writing at stuartlennon.com, my stationery at nerosnotes.co.uk. And what about you, Justin? Where can people find you? All I'm thinking is, thank God, we haven't all signed up for all of these other social sites. Our sign-off would be 10 minutes long. Yeah, it'd be a big discount. Easiest place to find me is justintwyford.com. I'm still on Twitter, JJ Twyford. Uh, please feel free to email us your thoughts, your questions. Uh, get your family to send us stuff. We'll, we'll be the go-between to figure out the best stationary for you, stationaryjacentgmail.com. Uh, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, we talked about it a little bit, is going to be on new year, new goals. Cause I think Stu and I are both sort of in that process of thinking about this. 
Year's coming up. December is around the corner. Wow. What a year. All right, Stu. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, sis.